What's up? How's my trouble boys and Janes doing tonight? We're back in the lounge. Ready to talk some fantasy football and drink some whiskey. Now, I was on Twitter asking who has had screwball peanut butter whiskey. I got some mixed comments. Some people said they loved it. The next person said it was too sweet. It's terrific. It's just too sweet. It's phenomenal. It's just too sweet. So I'm here tonight to try this for you. And then we're going to talk about tight ends, rookie tight ends. This is the tight end episode. So let's get ready to drink. So I got this screwball peanut butter whiskey. We're gonna open it now and try it right here on the air. Screw top. Whew, smells just like a peanut butter cup. Yep, smells pretty peanut buttery. Here we go. Smooth, yet smooth. You got the peanut butter, the smooth peanut butter, and then the aftertaste is almost nutty. Like you eat a peanut. Yep. It's definitely not a sipping whiskey. I, I can see a lot of people said it was good for shots. I can definitely see it as a, a shot drink. I'm going to mix it up with something real quick. Maybe make a sipping drink that we can have tonight. Give me one second. Sorry for the delay. We're going to turn this bad boy into a peanut butter old fashioned. So let's let's do this real quick. Got my rocks glass, my cocktail glass with the ice cubes. All right, so let's go ahead and put um, about a three quarters of that peanut butter whiskey in here. All right, let's do about an ounce. I'm gonna do some Buffalo Trace bourbon. Let's do an ounce of Buffalo Trace bourbon. It's probably an ounce and a half. We're gonna do some uh, Angostura bitters. That'll be similar to jelly. Let's do a... Uh, about five dashes there. Stir this bad boy up. So here we go. We got a peanut butter old fashioned. Let's see what it tastes like. Not bad, not bad. It's uh, it's an old fashioned with a little peanut butter aftertaste. I could probably put a little more peanut butter whiskey in it. I get a faint, a faint hint of peanut butter. I get majority of the bourbon, the bitters, which is, is it's similar to a jelly. Uh, it tastes like a jelly. Definitely smells of peanut butter. Yeah, I could drink that. Definitely a dessert drink. All right, so I'm going to get into my tight end episode today. And this is something that I really take pride on. I really look forward to evaluating the tight ends in the rookie class. 
and, and it's for a lot of reasons. Mainly, when I first got into the sport uh, as a youngster, I started as a tight end uh, before hitting my growth spurt and really moving to quarterback. And then once I was at the quarterback position, I really developed that relationship with the tight end. Um, so I really know what what strengths a tight end has. And um, when you talk about the fantasy football uh, landscape, back in 2009, I guess it started uh, when Jimmy Graham came out. And, you know, Jimmy Graham played one season with the Hurricanes, basketball, um, converts to football. Uh, I think he had less than 20 catches the year with the Hurricanes. And I did a lot of research on him. Drafted in the third round by the Saints. Thought he had a lot of potential. Nobody really knew about him. Right, so I took a, a chance. I drafted him early in rookie drafts, stashed him 100% across the board in dynasty rosters. In that pick alone, everyone knows how Jimmy Graham kind of changed, uh, you know, the NFL landscape as far as the tight end position, and single-handedly won me several championships. Uh, and, and some people can say, "Oh, that was luck," um, but the point is, none of my league mates were on him. Right, I was the only one that was on him. Uh, you know, so I really dive into tight ends. You know, as as the years progressed, um, you know, some other sleeper tight ends that I was on, uh, you know, I was on Tyler Higby um, across the board. You know, Tyler Higby coming out, nickname was the Baby Gronk. Uh, so I got him 100%. My next tight end project that I thought was going to be good was George Kittle. So I actually dropped all my Tyler Higby shares. I added all George Kittle shares. We know how that turns out. Last year. The number four tight end on the list was Foster Moreau. He was my 100% tight end stash, uh, you know, behind Hawkinson, Fant, Irv Smith. Then it was Foster Moreau. You know, he showed signs of of talent and potential to be a, a, a star in the league. Um, so I recommended grabbing him. We stashed him across all of our leagues. Had a really good rookie season. Obviously, was overshadowed by Darren Waller, and then Moreau suffered that that uh horrific knee injury at the end of the season hopefully he's okay we don't know the outcome of the knee surgery and and when he'll be back but uh, we're hoping he returns so when you get into when you get into tight ends and this may sound crazy but the first thing that i look for is can they block right the more that a tight end is on the field the bigger impact he can have for your fantasy team right the more times you're on the field, the more chances you have to be involved in the play to get the ball. It also allows the offensive coordinator to be more creative. If the defense doesn't know if you're going to block, if you're going to go out for a route, you become more valuable rather than a, a, a split outside end that just comes in on pass plays. You know they know to be you know aware of the potential pass play. So it's not a coincidence. That players like Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Darren Waller, the top tight ends in the league, played the majority of the snaps for their team. Last year, Kelsey had almost 100% snaps for the Chiefs. Waller was at like 95%. Ertz was at like 80%. Kittle is at 80%. So you want to find that tight end that not only is a mismatch for defenders, but he's also a good blocker, someone that can eventually be that player that's on the field all the time then when his name is called he's a mismatch for defenders so you know we're going to go into some tight ends this tight end class let me preface this tight end class is not exciting if i was ranking last year's class 
to this year's class. Obviously, the top three would be head and shoulders above this entire class. Irv Smith would likely be the number one tight end in this class for me. And even Foster Moreau, number four last year, you know, I would have him probably at the number two tight end in this class. Uh, it's really not that exciting. And I'll go through 10 tight ends. You can find these rankings uh, at rotolounge.com, you know, and I'll go today 10 back to one and, and just kind of talk about what I like about the tight ends. Now, before I get into that, I want to thank everybody that I made a call last episode and says, you know, give me some reviews. Let me know you're out there. Talk to me. Tell me what I'm doing good, uh, what I need to work on. And, you know, I had some really good responses, some really good reviews, and I appreciate that. Thank you for taking the time, uh, you know, to, to comment on, on what you're hearing and, and what kind of value I bring. So I do appreciate that. And the more I've been thinking about it, I never thought I was going to get here, but I think I'm going to create a Patreon page. And the reason I'm going to do that, and again, I'm going to continue to do the same things that I'm doing now, right? I'm going to provide the website, the podcast, you know, everything that I provide on Twitter. But I wanted to do something special for those that really want to invest in, you know, the Roto, Lo Roto Lounge brand, uh, you know, just kind of the whole concept we have talking about whiskey, fantasy football, crushing fantasy leagues. So I'm thinking about creating a Patreon page. And again, if you don't want to contribute, that's 100% okay. You know, when I was coming up in the fantasy industry, I've been doing it for about 20 years. You know, I used to dabble here and there and get subscriptions, pay for them, just kind of see what other sites had to offer. Um, but, you know, some people don't like to pay, and that's that's completely fine. But what I'm hoping to do is I'm hoping to provide even more, even more for the, the you know, fantasy player that just wants to be part of the Roto Lounge brand. And, you know, I'm thinking about providing... You know, for a, a small fee a month, you know, one extra, you know, video podcast a week, whether it's insight on players, strategies, you know, this tight end episode will probably be exclusive to Patreon next year. I want to provide merchandise, right? I have ideas. I'm working with some printing companies to do some t-shirts or some glassware, something with the Roto Lounge brand. You know, I want to provide the draft kit. You know, that will be included in the Patreon page. We can do the Discord where we can chat. You can have one-on-one -on -one chats with me, any type of advice that you want for your fantasy leagues. Um, so I'm thinking about putting that all together. And and once I get that set up, I'm going to, you know, send out uh, either a tweet or I'll talk about it on the podcast. You can also find me on YouTube here. Um, but I really encourage you guys, if you want to be part of the brand, if you want to help support I want that to, you know, I want you to be there. I, I am working on a projection system uh, model for the for next season where I should, you know, be able to closely predict weekly projections for players, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, uh, and I'm really going to want to do that once a week for um, for everybody, everyone that's you know interested in Roto Lounge. But for the Patreons, maybe we'll do a special. Uh, video or guys that I noticed, hey, we really want to target these guys and maybe our daily fantasy. Um, or if you have these guys on the bench, maybe it's a, a good start for the week uh, and you can bench another player that maybe you're on the fence about. So I really want to provide insight to everybody. But those that really want to support me, support the brand, you know, and contribute to that, 
Uh, I really want to build my brand around you and really take care of you and help you get to that next level and, and, and crush your leagues and get those titles. So keep your eye out for that. I do appreciate everybody you know, commenting and reviewing and subscribing. It means the world. So I do this for you. So I do appreciate it. But with that being said, let's get in to the tight ends of the 2020 draft class. So we'll start at number 10 and in six through 10 is really just going to be, you know, upside plays. You know, we're not really investing a lot in these players. And really, if you get them on your team, it's really a taxi squad stash. And honestly, I don't really expect a lot of these, but, you know, I'm going to rank them. So, you know, you can choose whether you want to invest in these type players. So at number 10, I got uh, Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. Now he stands at 6'4", 245. He is the son of former Tennessee offensive lineman Brad Hopkins. And he didn't really even get into football until his senior year of high school. So really, he has a lot to do. Really raw, really more of a receiver, very poor blocker, doesn't really understand the techniques yet, but he is an athlete, uh, played basketball. Um, so he is, you know, he does have questionable hands, even though he is just a receiver, but he has really tremendous athletic measurables. Uh, he went to the Rams, so he's going to be sitting behind Higby and Everett if he resigns. Now, if Everett leaves after the year, uh, you know, Hopkins could move up if he's, um, you know, evolved into a, a, a competent tight end in the NFL. So he's a stash if you're interested in him. Number nine is uh, Albert Oakwig Boonham uh, out of Missouri, a freak athlete. He did really well in 2018 with Drew Locke as his quarterback in Missouri kind of fell off last year. Ran a 4.49 at the combine, just an athletic freak. Uh, he's going to Denver, so he's going to be working alongside Noah Fant. But, you know, he has the potential eventually if he can improve his blocking. Maybe down the line, he could be, you know, a tight end worth worth roster in fantasy football. So right now, he's still a rough around the edges. Kind of disappeared in 2019. Uh, but Drew Locke went to bat for him during the draft. I believe Elway talked with Locke and, and and they talked about his personality and they pulled the trigger. So they're providing Locke with all types of weapons. You know, if something were to happen, Noah Fant were to go down, uh, Albert O, as they call him, would step right in. You know, he does have to improve on his blocking, but he's going to be used in packages where he's lined up probably as, you know, a, a split outside end or a slot receiver uh, to just, uh, you know, have mismatches against defenses. So, Kind of keep your eye on him, but it's nobody I'd really invest in unless it's a taxi taxi squad stash. Uh, number eight, Colby Parkinson. Uh, he went to Seattle. Uh, big guy, six seven. Uh, you know he's got average traits across the board. He's not that good of a blocker. Um, you would think so by looking at him. Uh, you know just his size, how big he is. Uh, but he really is, is a weak blocker. He's kind of slow in and out of his routes. Um, but he went to Seattle, and Seattle also drafted another guy who I have at seven. But Seattle has Disley, right? He's had the knee injuries. They signed Greg Olson. So they have, you know, an array of tight ends there. But Parkinson will come in. He'll compete um, and see if he can do anything there. 
And then number seven I have is Steven Sullivan. He went to Seattle as well. He's 6'5", 248. Now, he's got 35-inch arms, got a huge wingspan. He ran a 4.66 at the combine, just an athlete. Um, but, again, another another wide receiver type player. Isn't that good of an inline blocker? And that's really what we're looking for uh, because we want to have we want to find those tight ends that are going to be in the field all the time, the Kelseys and the Ertzes and, you know, and the Kittles, the guys that are going to be there all the time so that the creative offensive coordinators can create plays for them and, and really expose the defense. So in uh, number six, it was actually the first tight end taken by New England, and that's Devin Asiasi or Asiasi. Now, some of the red flags for me is he kind of took a long time to develop in college, and he had one really good year last year. To me, he's more of the blocker versus the receiving tight end. Actually, he had a very high speed score, uh, but he's he's kind of small. He's 6'3". Uh, and so we like our tight ends a little bigger than that. Um, and I think it's going to take him some time to uh, uh, really mature and become a uh, you know a relevant fantasy player. But he could start at, at tight end from day one for New England. They, they're, they're weak there. I think he's going to be more of the blocking tight end. Um, you know, he can catch, um, but I'm not really sure how much relevance he's going to have uh, right off the bat. So it could take him a while to develop. So those are strictly upside guys, six through 10. And now I'm going to uh, do my top five guys, five all the way down to one. Number five is Josiah DeGara. Now he was drafted as green, drafted to Green Bay, and he really falls to five because I'm not quite sure how Matt LaFleur is going to use him in Green Bay, whether it's going to be as that H-back, fullback type player, or if he's going to be used as a tight end. You know, if he's if he's moved to fullback, similar to Kyle Shanahan's offense, I would move him up to tight end three if I knew he wasn't going to be a fullback. But because I'm not sure what LaFleur is going to do with him, I have him here. Uh, and, and as a senior, he had 39 receptions, on 71 targets, he had 504 yards and seven touchdowns. He's probably the best run blocker in the class, but it's not really due to his size. He's only 6'2", 240 pounds, so not the 6'4", where, you know, 6'4", 6'5", where we really prefer him. But he wins with his technique, and he understands leverage. He's also an adequate pass blocker, I think. Um, he can hold his own definitely in pass blocking. He's, he's very athletic. He's a good route runner. He broke some of Travis Kelsey's records at the University of Cincinnati. So he can play the tight end position. I'm just not convinced that he's not going to be used as a fullback. Uh, and if he if he is used as a fullback, he, he really has the potential to be a, a Pro Bowl caliber one at that. He still needs to put on some muscle to really be a consistent NFL player. But I like I like what he brings to the table and you know, because of his, his 6'2 frame, you know, he, we may see him more as a blocking back for uh, A.J. Dillon. And I, I really think LaFleur wants to be Kyle Shanahan. Um, so I would not be surprised if you see him, you know, at H-back running, running routes out of the backfield as well as blocking and just being that extra receiver uh, for Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. So number four. Harrison Bryant, Cleveland Browns from Florida Atlantic, uh, 6'5", 243 pounds. He was the 2019 John Mackey Award recipient as the nation's top tight end. 
He had 65 catches for 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns last year. Now, his combination of athleticism, route running, his ball skills are really, really good. It should allow him to become like a high-volume target. Also, at Florida Atlantic, they really try to develop him as a blocker. So that should help him a little bit at the next level. Um, But he is one of the more versatile, well-rounded prospects in this class. I think he's going to be more of a move tight end, though, not an inline blocker like we want. He doesn't really bring um, the upside when you do put him as a blocker, um, but he's a very good receiver. Uh, he's easily going to be like a flex tight end. He could also play H-back where he could run routes out of the backfield. Um, he's going to take some time to get acclimated to the pros coming out of Florida Atlantic. You know, So it's going to take him time to get up to speed. He's going to sit behind... Austin Hooper, which is going to give him time to develop. So again, he's just you know another stash, someone that if if you want to you know put him on your taxi squad, you know there's nothing wrong with that there. But I wouldn't expect a lot out of him too soon. Now, number three, Adam Troutman from Dayton, six five two fifty five. Now, he reminds me a lot of my number five tight end last year, and that's Josh Oliver out of um, Jaguars. But Troutman really dominated at lesser competition. I mean, the last time that Dayton put a player in the NFL was 40 years ago, and it was an offensive tackle. And that really gives me pause because the competition that Dayton plays is nowhere near the type of competition that the NFL throws at you. So a lot of a lot of analysts that want to put Troutman number one, he's really going to have a huge learning curve at the next level, just dealing with the size, the speed, the athleticism of NFL players. He may have been a dominant player at Dayton, but that doesn't compare to being a dominant player at a school like Alabama or Georgia, uh, you know, or any of those big schools. Um, so he's really going to have an adjustment period there. Now. He was a former high school quarterback. Once he got to Dayton, he kind of switched positions to tight end. His senior year, he put up 70 catches, 916 yards, and 14 touchdowns. I mean, he was the offense at Dayton. Over his career, he finished with 2,200 yards, 31 touchdowns. He's very athletic. He's very explosive. He's got a basketball background. At the combine, he showed his athleticism. He had the best three-cone time of any tight end. It was a 6.78 second three cone. That would have been the second best time among wide receivers. That's how athletic this guy is. Now, when I was watching his film, to me, his worst trait was blocking. But as soon as he gets drafted to the Saints, Sean Payton comes out and he says, we want to use him as the wide tight end, which is the, the inline blocking tight end. And he says, in my opinion, they're going to need to build on that. You know, I don't really think that he's strong enough for the NFL on day one um, to be an inline tight end and block. But I think they're going to use him. I think the Saints are going to use him as a move tight end to get him the ball um, just to see if he can make some plays. But he has to build up that play strength to really be that inline uh, tight end. So I think that he still has to learn the, the nuances of the tight end position. You know, he wins mostly on just his athleticism, which he could do at Dayton. He can't quite do the same thing at the NFL level. Uh, now, his transition and his learning curve to the NFL is going to be really a lot 
a lot steeper than other tight ends in this class. Like I mentioned, because of the the collegiate level of play that he has versus other tight ends in this class. Um, but his toughness is definitely there. Uh, I can't really agree with Sean Payton because I don't think he's anywhere near ready for NFL snaps as an inline blocker because he he doesn't really have the, the right technique to be able to hold off defenders uh, at the next level. Now, I can see him turning into like an Adam Shaheen type prospect. Now, Adam Shaheen was, you know, a hype prospect coming out of Ashland University, um, but he never he never fulfilled the hype. He was a huge back. Some were saying he was like Gronkowski, but, you know, that competition at Ashland and Dayton, it's not the same. It's hard to go to the NFL. You see them on tape. They, re- they look really good, but when you go to the NFL, it's a completely, completely different game. You know, and like 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 uh, Shaheen Troutman has like athletic gifts. They both had athletic gifts, and because they dominated such a an easy competition, you know, it was weak competition, and it's such a hard transition to go from that small program to the NFL and excel. I just can't put Troutman as my number one tight end. I think he's got too much. He's got too much of a learning curve from day one. They'll probably try to get the ball in his hands, but. He's he's gonna have to improve his blocking, and and you know he's worth a stash, right? I'd probably take him in the fourth round if you know all the the skilled players were off the board and you were looking for a dart throw. Um, but again, I'm not overly reaching for him. I'm not taking him over any of the running backs. Very few of the running backs in this class I would take him over. Very few of the receivers I would take him over. Um, you know, it's just too much of a learning curve for him that I can't invest a high pick on Troutman. Now let's talk about number two, Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech, 6'4", 240-ish. You know, he's, I think he's going to be much more impactful at the NFL level than he was in college, similar, similar to Foster Moreau and similar to George Kittle. So I get excited when I see these guys who were not given the football um, in college, but they have all the skills they have the tenacity, the drive to be successful NFL pros, and it, it's only a matter of time before they get there. So Dalton Keene is a player that I really want to have. I'm willing to take him probably late third, fourth round. And he really reminds me a lot of Kittle and a lot of Fossum Row. Very athletic tight end. Uh, he's extremely versatile, highly competitive, uh, tenacious. He blocks through the whistle. He always gives great effort when he's on the field. And and after he catches the ball, and this is one thing that I really loved about George Kittle and about Fossa Moreau, is is once they catch the ball, they transition into like a powerful runner, and and they just want to run people over. Uh, And and Dalton Keene has that. He has that tenacity. He has that mindset when he gets the ball. He just wants to run people over. You know, Gronkowski kind of had the same approach to the game. Um, once they get the ball, they just want to they just want to destroy people, and and I really like that about his game. Now, despite some of his exciting flashes, he did not receive the chances that he deserved in college in the pass game. You know, similar to Moreau and Kittle, they they are really good blockers, and, and they just didn't get the ball enough. So he didn't have a chance to really show what he had to show his complete skill set. So, you know, I'm excited to see what happens in New England. Uh, again, I think uh, Devin Asiasi will probably could be the day one starter. 
Um, Keane does have some work to do, but he has the potential. I think they can use him as a wing, uh, a tight end, the H-back, you know, split back. He could even be a fullback. Um, he can be a blocker, receiver. You know, also at Virginia Tech, they talked about what high character he had. You know, really a lot of potential to, to, to turn out to be a good tight end. You know, but remember, he's a bit raw. His overall skill set as an inline tight end is lacking. He still needs to improve on that. He he needs some technical work as a blocker. Um, but I think after gaining more reps as that inline tight end, he will get there. Uh, and he's, he's someone that I, I'm willing to take a chance on, similar to the Higbees and the Kittles and the Moreaus. He's a tight end. I'll take a stash on. I'll sit on him for two or three years, uh, see if he develops. If he doesn't, okay. you know. But out of this class, I think he has potential to, to have um, some of the highest upside in the class. But I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about the number one guy, and you know he didn't really get a lot of hype, um, but I think that I think that he could be a potential. Oh, I don't want to say star, but he could be a very reliable target in Matt Nagy's offense, and that's Cole Komet uh, from Notre Dame, drafted by the Chicago Bears. Now, Komet was expected to go back to school in 2020. He played baseball. He was a pitcher, but he decided that he was going to come out, go to the NFL, and you know, and, and that bodes well for him. He was the number one tight end off the board. And in 2019, he really became more involved in the passing game at Notre Dame. He finished with 43 catches, 500 yards, six touchdowns. Um, he can play both. He has experience at the inline, you know, tight end position, as well as you know, detached from the line of scrimmage. Now, he was the heaviest tight end at the combine, but he had the fourth fastest 40-yard dash at 4.70. He had the best vertical jump at 37 inches, and he had the second best broad jump at 10 feet 3 inches. So that shows his athleticism that he can be a mismatch at the next level. But let me ask you a question. Let's talk about the Bears for a second. Why do you think... The Bears have signed so many tight ends. I mean, it was a revolving door at tight end uh, for the Chicago Bears. You know, people want to make fun of it, how they're signing all these tight ends, Jimmy Graham and releasing Trey Burton, but we should zoom out. Zoom out for a minute. The Bears are clearly trying to find an identity, and it starts at the tight end position. They were a completely different offense from 2019 in 2018, Trey Burton was a big part of that offense in 2018, and he was injured most of the year in 2019, and the offense really never got off the ground. And I, and the way Nagy's offense is set up is the tight end is a big part of his offensive scheme, and I think he's desperately trying to establish that identity, and he's trying to bring all these tight ends to see who can make the best fit. Now, they just signed Jimmy Graham. And he's probably going to be their number one, uh, you know, U tight end, which is the move tight end, which was Trey Burton, who they released because they signed him. Nagy signed him to a big contract as soon as he got to Chicago. Again, because I feel like that is a big part of the offense is that tight end. Now, when Komet comes in, he should be used as the primary Y, which is the inline tight end. Uh, and he'll replace Adam Shaheen, who... Like I said, you know, from that small school, just hasn't really evolved um, as the tight end that they thought he was going to be. Uh, 
Now, Komet is best served playing that inline traditional tight ends, but he has that ability to flex out and be, you know, that move tight end from time to time if they need him to do that. Now, he he's not an overpowering blocker. You know, he plays with a lot of good leverage. He has the functional strength to occupy defenders, seal them off, uh, let the running back get by. Um, so he does have those qualities. Now, as a pass catcher, he's got, as the combine showed us, he has great burst, uh, short area burst. Uh, so he can create separation. He, he gives the quarterback room to throw the football, which is going to be huge for Nick Foles if, he, if he's the starter, you know, or Trubisky. Komet uh, also has really good hands. He makes a lot of easy catches. Uh, he also can display good body control. You know, when the target's off th- off off mark, he he does you know show that he has the ability to to maneuver and get the ball um, outside of his frame. So the goal for the Bears is not just to get better production from their tight ends. The goal is to make Matt Nagy's offense operate better. I mean, consider this from the Bears last year. They used 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, two receivers, and a running back, on 13% of their plays in 2019. That was the third lowest in the league, right? The two offenses most similar to Nagy are the Eagles and the Chiefs. And they were both top five in the league using 12 personnel. In my opinion, Komet was the best tight end available in this year's class. He's got the athletic measurables, the physical profile to succeed in the NFL. I think Nagy envisions Komet as a Kelsey or an Ertz type tight end. But, you know, drafting tight ends early, it it can be risky. I, I think over the last 10 years, tight ends taken the first two rounds. They haven't averaged that well as rookies. I think around like 20 catches, 300 yards a season. So, you know, tight ends take a while to evolve. So we don't want to spend a high draft pick on Komet. But he's someone that you can get in the third round. I I just recently got him in a super flex 14-team league in the third round, which was a steal. I got Keen in the fourth round. But we need to temper expectations for Komet in year one. But I think he can he can prove worthy of you know just being on the field because he can block he's a good pass catcher it could pay off for us so don't let the hype of the troutmans uh any of the assayases don't let that hype you know cloud your vision the number one's hiding in this class is cole Komet. we need to try to get him in the round three of our fantasy drafts stash him if you can't get him go for uh, dalton keen in the fourth round it's not an exciting draft class for tight ends. 2021 is loaded with tight ends. It's going to be an exciting class. We're going to see a lot of really good tight ends come out next year. Hopefully, unless they, you know, some of them decide to go back back to college. But again, I think Irv Smith would be the best tight end in this class. If you can trade somehow, I would trade probably a 2020 second round pick uh, for Irv Smith, a 2021 second round pick for Irv Smith. I really think Irv Smith's going to evolve into a really good tight end in the NFL. He's a terrific blocker, probably one of the best blockers at his position. I believe he's still only 20 or 21 years old, still just a really young um, player in the NFL. If you can get your hands on him, awesome. Foster Moreau, I'm kind of worried about his knee injury. I don't know how bad it is. He's still on some of my taxi squads. I still have him rostered. But this year I'm going to focus on Cole Komet, Dalton Keene, focus on those two. 
you know, the rest of them, you know, if they're available, if I have no one else to pick, maybe I throw darts at them um, and hope something happens. But that's it. That's that's the, the tight end episode. I appreciate you. You come into the lounge. I appreciate you supporting me. Please follow me on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a review. Comment. Let me know you're out there. Hit me up on Twitter at Roto Lounge. You can find me on Instagram, uh, Roto underscore Lounge. We're going to have a Patreon page. Uh, we're going to have a Discord chat. We're going to have it all, man. We're, I really want to provide you guys killer insights and just a way to just crush your leagues, man, and just just really dominate the, the scene, the fantasy football scene, man. So here's to you, peanut butter, old fashions, nothing like them, man. So y'all have a good night. You don't have to go home, but you got to get up out of here. This has been Roto Lounge.